Hello everyone, I'm PJ, co-founder of vegan shoe brand Fonsen, and this is Fonsen Voices. Fonsen Voices is a podcast series where we give a voice to the next generation of leaders and explorers. In each episode, our guests share everyday stories of living out their values through work and creativity, offering their own definition of sustainability and ways of thinking long-term. These interviews are insightful and empowering, inspiring reflection and action. Pietro Locasto is an ascending star in the world of photography. After a few years of working in tech, starting with Apple in London, Pietro went on a quest to revisit his way of life and found a few clues in Asia. Before earning a full scholarship for an MFA in visual arts at Chiang Mai University, Thailand, he studied photography at Paschala Institute, Bangladesh. Launched into the public eye after becoming a Canon Award winner only two years after starting his practice, his work makes us question our relationship with the natural world we live in and examine how we cohabit with native and often displaced inhabitants of a place, humans or not. You can follow Pietro's work on Instagram at Pietro Locasto or his website at pietrolocasto.com. Pietro, welcome to Fonsen Voices. We've known each other for quite some time now. It's been a pleasure to see uh, your uh, quest in photography. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to know uh, where you are right now. Hey, PJ, thanks for the amazing and lovely intro. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure for me to be here chatting to you. You know, we, uh, we had the pleasure to li of living together almost like five amazing years in London which are always in my memory. But yeah, I'm in Bangkok at the moment. I, I just got back from Italy where I spent almost the whole summer. And yeah, I'm quarantining in a hotel in, in right now. It's a bit tricky, but here we are. And uh, so what was the exhibition about? Right, the exhibition. So I was exhibiting for the first time as a solo exhibition. The work that I've that I've done in Nepal uh, while I was studying at Pashara, which is the work that um, also allowed me to emerge in the last few years in in the world of photography and visual arts. You've had quite a, a quick ascent in the world of photography, but changing your life in the the span of like maybe uh, three to four years was quite incredible to see. Um, can you tell me about how you landed in Asia in the first place? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is an important uh, story, you know, when, when I'm talking about my work, my work in photography is very much connected to, to my personal experience and to a sort of a, a journey of, of personal change in a way, as you, as you sort of said. So, you know, I, up until five years ago now, I think, you know, I was, very, I was living a very different life uh, than, than the one that I live now. And as you said, you know, I was working in tech. We were in London. Um, I started to I started to feel a sort of frustration. It was coming from, uh, you know, I think when you're 25, you're very excited about anything, and then you get into a job, and then slowly I got to to my 30s. And uh, on one side, there was the realization that I wasn't fulfilled creatively. I wasn't able to express myself, and I was seeing that I wasn't recognized also really well for for the for the work that I was doing. And second, there was also you know. Uh, Living in London for me it was taking a, it's almost it was starting to take a bit of a toll on me in terms of relationship, in terms of you know a bit of a chaotic lifestyle. So 
I had the opportunity, I had the, the chance, I would say. Uh, Apple decided to, you know, change a few things around in the business model and in the business that I was working with. And I was, uh, I was made redundant and I was given the chance to, you know, to get a bunch of money and, and leave the company. So um, as I was in the state of mind that I was already uh, feeling a sort of a frustration, I was thinking about what was, what was next. I decided to take this money and, and then I decided to do a trip. You know, I decided to go to South America on my own, the classic solo trip. But of course, you know, I was looking for something, but I, wasn't, I didn't know exactly what I was looking for. But, you know, I felt that with the 30s, as I turned 30, it was the beginning of a sort of a new, new decade, you know, as it is, but as a new, new path in a way. So I, I say, you know, this, this trip in South America was, was very important. And, you know, two things happened that were really important during this trip. You know, I bought a camera before going. And of course, because you're going on a, on a trip to South America. So, you know, it, it seemed like a sensible thing to do. Uh, although, you know, I, I, I wasn't really taking pictures professionally. I was just, you know, I always liked the idea of taking images with my phone. And also, you know, my, my grandfather was a painter. So there was a bit of arts always in my family. But uh, I come from a path where I, I never saw myself as an artist before. Right. So I bought this camera. And after a month or so that I was traveling, I woke up one morning. I was on a bus that was going from north of Argentina to Chile to, uh, to a place called San Pedro de Atacama. And I woke up. Next to me, uh, there was a man. It turned out to be a photography teacher from, from Norway, right? And this guy was really cool. And we sort of became friends. And I, I sort of decided to, or I followed him. I decided to tag along with him. He was going, to, he was going on a scouting trip in this area for, to bring back some of his students in the future. And, you know, we were in a, in a place, San Pedro Atacama, which is an incredible place in terms of natural element. You know, it's a... It's a desert at 5,000 meters, so you have, you know, you have uh, lagunas, you have volcanoes, you have geysers. So, you know, the, in these few days that, I, that I've been with him, one, I've started to learn how to use the camera because he, he sort of gave me the ropes. But also I started to feel the sort of connection between photography and nature in a way. You know? So that, that was just a bit of a start. The second thing, the very important thing that happened next in this trip is that I had the opportunity toward the end of this journey in Colombia to spend some time with a group of, with an indigenous community. You know, I, I was introduced to this place and um, it was a really great experience on, on a few fronts. I've started to open my eyes a little bit to, it was the first encounter with indigenous knowledge in a way, and, and I, I didn't know much about, about indigenous knowledge. And, and also I had the opportunity and the chance to, to take part to the ritual of ayahuasca. It's a plant with psychotropic roots and effects in a way. And so this, uh, this experience was very important because, you know, it was, was, was around two or three days that we spent together. I, I sort of started to learn their the, the philosophy in a way and their the way of life. And, but also during this experience with ayahuasca, I really sort of felt an important physical and spiritual connection with nature. I mean, this is a, this is a result of, of the experience. And also it's a common experience that people have with ayahuasca. But, you know, seeing, physically seeing things like, you know, I saw the, I remember seeing the, the veins of the earth, seeing the, the green blood of the trees and, and really feeling a sort of a content that was coming from this, you know, really understanding or sort of feeling things that probably, you know, I already knew, you know, that, that the happiness, you know, came from very simple things, you know, came from uh, our, our connection to, to the natural world, to the planet. 
our connection between us and others, other human beings and, and animals. And so, you know, that experience was very important and it sort of gave me a, a sort of a beginning. Uh, it was the beginning of a, of a process that I would call disengagement in a way, also from a, from a Eurocentric view of the world. I say Eurocentric because, you know, of course, we, I grew up in Europe and I've lived in Europe until I was 30 mostly. And I, I realized that a, a very Eurocentric view of the world. And um, ayahuasca was just the beginning of, of a process, I think, of, of disengagement, and which continued, which continued after. So, you know, I, I came back to London and, you know, pretty quickly I decided that, um, you know, there was time for me to move on after six years in London. And I decided to take a sabbatical trip. I decided to continue a little bit this journey with photography. So I decided to go to Australia with a, with a working holiday visa. And that, that allowed me to, to be in Australia for seven, eight months. And, and really sort of, you know, don't worry about uh, making money or working. I, I was just doing a, a small job in a coffee shop. But allowed me to continue to, get, to take photographs, right? But still, I didn't know what I was doing, really. I was just, you know, taking pictures of nature and, and colors and sunset. That was what was really what I was really connecting with. Um, but what happened was that I discovered that the opportunity of a workshop, a uh, photography workshop in Bangkok um, while I was in Australia, while I was in Perth. And yeah, I was, I was lucky to get, uh, to get accepted in the workshop. So I took, I took my things and I went to Bangkok for a week. And uh, I had an incredible time and I sort of, you know, I continue on a process of understanding a little bit more about photography and understanding, learning a little bit more about what photography can mean and what can be to express yourself and uh, to talk about yourself, um, but also in relationship with things, with nature and with people. What were the first elements that really drew your attention? Like, what were there like subjects that became recurrent uh, in your work? So the first work that I've done was actually there in Bangkok. And what, what that work was about was about a personal exploration, but really about an idea of revisiting one's, oneself, you know, and coming from a, a place and going to a new place and using photography to push yourself and, and to learn things about yourself, to imagine yourself also in a different way, uh, and to, to, almost as an internal revolution. So I think in Bangkok, I really began to uh, explore the possibility of me becoming an artist and a photographer. Um, that was a continuation of the sort of this process of this, this revolution that I started in, in South America. But I, I, I needed to, to continue. I needed to get help also to continue, understand what I could do, what, what I could have been with photography. So it, it really, it's, it was a journey that took many steps to arrive where I am, to, but, which is still going, of course. But I think that work was about really myself, photography and, and the world around me. And what changes did you see happen in yourself while you were taking photography as a tool for change? Right. I've started to use photography, uh, I think, primarily as a, as a response to a, a sort of a feeling or understanding that I had to, I had to dig, I had to look inside myself to find a better place, you know, to find, to find some of the answers that I was looking for toward the end of my experience in London, you know, which I, which I felt that I was losing myself a little bit, which I, I felt that maybe, you know, I, uh, the old making money, buying things was not really, it was an external factor that was not making me happy. Although, you know, I, I've experienced a bit of that I experienced making a bit of money, experiencing having things and 
That, so that, that was an important part uh, of this journey in a way. I began to use photography as a medium to, to have a personal exploration. So that, that week in Bangkok, I worked with a photographer, which is a, is a French photographer called Antoine Dagata. And, you know, it was luckily I, I had the chance, the opportunity to work with him because what he does is exactly that type of person that uses photography as a way to look inside himself. So, you know, of course, I, you know, the, the, the people you meet and the situation inform also the way you, you develop and you grow. So I think the, the, the meeting with him was also quite important. You were in Bangkok with like one subject in mind or did you just let yourself be attracted by whatever was happening to you then? Yeah. Look, yeah, you know, I told you I had no idea what I was doing before that. And when I got to Bangkok, I still had no idea. You know, I was just such a, you know, like it was such a, a big world to understand and everything was new. So, you know, I, I didn't know what to do, you know, and was like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I have no idea. So, you know, it was like, look, just, just go out, you know, live the night. Don't say no, push yourself. Don't say no to anything. Just really use this opportunity to, to see how life can be, you know, in a, I think he saw also myself, he saw that I was a bit structured and, and maybe, you know, I was, I, I had to, I had to really let go of certain things. I had to push myself. Um, and yes, I realized how the camera could bring me to places and, and things and situations that I probably would have gone if I, if I didn't have the camera. When I look at uh, your pictures, what strikes me is they're usually um, kind of sober. And I think in, in your first exhibited work, uh, you've had lots of pictures of, of people in cities. Uh, you had a lot of kind of wild adventures at night and seeing the rawness of living in a city that's that's uh, a bit chaotic in a way and and then as you progressed in your work uh, you went into the wild like in nature in the jungle and what what i th thought was really interesting is that there's actually not that much difference between human beings living in the chaos of a city and living in a more natural habitat can you tell me a bit about how you found that intensity how, how can you equip yourself to to find those kind of pictures yeah yeah i mean thanks for the the the, the reading you know um things really i think photography or art is sort of a reflection of also a state of mind you know often or it is for me so you know um the work in bangkok um although you know there are similarities and i you know i I've also recently been exploring the similarity between those different works. You know, it's still as an is almost a forest of concrete Bangkok, right, compared to a, a forest in Nepal. But basically, the work of the Bangkok work came out of a, of a moment where I I was feeling certain things, feeling certain emotions, which were you know I was very quickly uh, when I moved to Bangkok, I had to come back to a to a, say a normal job in tech. I needed to I needed to make I I I finished my money basically. I needed I needed a visa to stay in the country. I really wanted to be there. So I, I started working for a startup, for a digital business again. And um, although, you know, I, I was very and I, I was very conflicted because I knew that I wanted to be a photographer. I, I, I knew that I wanted to be an artist, but I, you know, I wasn't ready yet in a way. Right. I was still at the beginning and I needed some time 
to get my things together and, and, and in a way also reflect. And this is, you know, I matured that decision. This is something that I realized after that, of course, because. But so I, you know, that work of, of Bangkok is started in that week, but then continued for two years. Those two years in Bangkok, I was working in an office and I, I was very conflicted. I was, I didn't want to be there. But I know that I had to be there. I was beginning to plan my escape in a way, right? I was putting some strategy behind the fact that I needed to create a situation for me to then, you know, be able to exit that system again and, and sort of, you know, with time and patience, continue to build my own artistic practice. So those two years, I was literally looking for madness, you know, in Bangkok. It was, I don't know what it was, but it was what I needed at the time. So the, the work that you see in Bangkok is, you know, it uh, uses a lot of flesh. It's, it's very raw and it's on your face. And, and this is, was coming from necessity to take, you know, those times that I had available and just, you know, sort of push myself into using photography and also to learn more about myself and photography. When I went to Nepal, that came out of a, a very important choice. You know, I decided to quit my job again. I was ready. I had, I, you know, I saved some money and I was ready to put myself uh, into this new path, it's this new, which was, gonna, was going to be a challenge, of course, the idea of living like, like an artist or sort of, you know, going full on into sort of a life like this. But also, as soon as I arrived in Nepal, I just felt a sort of a beginning to feel like that madness completely went away, right? It was replaced by a feeling almost like of tenderness of sort of a piece of having made that choice, right? So during the, the six months that I studied in Nepal, I, I've begun to explore different, different things, you know, and, and the experience with the ayahuasca, the relationship with nature sort of came back right away. I, I started to feel, probably it was also the place that I was in, you know, it was very spiritual, surrounded by nature, you know, Nepal is an incredible country it's like this. And, and, you know, in the six months that led me to then do my final project and work in, in the forest, I really began to ex explore a different side, but was a side that was within myself. Um, so I think the, the, then the, the visual and the result you see is also different. You see, I think you see a certain, a certain rhythm, a certain slowness in the, in the work in Nepal, which came also from living in the place, you know, staying there, you know, exploring my my patience, exploring a lot of things. But but there are similarities in, in the way I'm looking at things and, and think that and this is this probably stays within between the works. What I feel is that you've had photography as a as a sort of vacuum trying to capture the madness of Bangkok. That was kind of a almost cathartic system for you to get it out of your own system. So now, where, where do you find yourself after going through the madness of Bangkok, the peace of Nepal? What's your state of mind nowadays? Yeah, well, it's, to be honest, it's been a, it's been a really interesting journey for me. And I, you know, I, I probably would have, would have stopped if I wasn't happy in a way. You know, after the work in Nepal, I was really uh, motivated to continue. To be honest, I was motivated to continue to work in Nepal, but I couldn't be there because of the pandemic. Um, so I moved back to Thailand where I live and, um, I found a similar, very similar sort of situation. I wanted to continue to explore the relationship between humans and nature. I wanted to be, I wanted to actually physically be in a place like this 
because, you know, living in a forest or being there in Nepal really began to sort of change me, but changed me in a way that I really started slowing down my rhythm and I, I really started to, to find to find also sort of serenity in all of that. So I've, um, through, you know, some research and um, a relationship that started with the University of Chiang Mai, I have begun to work in a, in a place, in a village, which lies on, on a big river that, that creates the border between Thailand and Myanmar in the northwest of Thailand. It's a, it's a place inhabited by um, an ethnic group called Karen. Um, they, they've been living in those, in those lands for you know, thousands of years. And they have a very specific and uh, very strong relationship with with the natural element. And so I, I began that work. I began spending time with them, living in a village. But and and after six months, unfortunately, I, I had to stop this work because of the state coup that happened in Myanmar. But what happened also within myself, I was already I was starting to feel some sort of frustration. I realized that I was almost replicating the work that I was that I've been doing in Nepal. I was I began to feel the necessity to. To continue to contaminate this this sort of practice, right? With, with that started with photography. I basically realized that you know photography was just the first medium that uh, I came across when I started the need to to feel to sort of to express this uh, necessity for authorship or, or talking about myself or you know of talking or using my voice in a way. So the impossibility of, of going back to the to this village in, in, in Thailand and, and continuing this this experience, you know, which was amazing. You know, I've already started to build a great relationship and I was really enjoying being there. But this impossibility sort of uh, allowed me to stop a little bit and, and sort of, you know, spend some time thinking and really reflecting on how I wanted to take my this journey for the, for, forward with photography. And I realized that I had a... Uh, I didn't want to do. I didn't. I, I didn't want to be the, that that photographer who does the, the work, get some positive feedback, and continue to do the same on and on. Right. I also realized that I I had a, I started to feel some sort of frustration toward the the sequentiality of photography. You know, it's a very rigid medium as well. You know. So. How so? How so? It's you know uh, photography. It's a series of images, right? Now you know you see you see photographers using videos. You, because the, just using photography uh, can, can be quite limiting. But also another frustration that I had was uh, the challenge of actually uh, being in a community, working with people, and um, the challenges of, of, of telling a story about other people, right? And this is something that I experienced in Nepal. You know, it's very, it's very complicated, especially as a, as a Western, uh, you know, white individual, white man going to a community, being there, telling a story. There's, there's a lot of debates around photography and arts in the last years about, you know, who gets to tell the story of who, you know, and so it needs a lot of sensibility. And, you know, and I, I, and I had a lot of doubts that I carried with me while I was doing that work that stayed with me while I was doing the work in, in, in Thailand. And although I, I always been confident about my, you know, my sensitivity in a way and, and the reasons why I was there, I, I started to I started to, to to understand how difficult it was, and I started to feel the necessity to expand this and 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 making it make and try to do a con- work that is also more conceptual, that 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 where I can continue to talk about the things that I'm interested in, but exploring other sides, you know, exploring not necessarily maybe working with a community, but 
you know, working with collaborators. So that led me to being in Chamai, not being able to go back to the community and and starting to sort of, you know, consolidate the idea that I wanted to continue to expand, you know, and I wanted to continue to learn beyond photography and, and to see what I what I can do. I definitely feel much more um, confident now about my, you know, my possibilities in, in the world of the arts or photography. And so I, I've, that's, that's how, that's what led me to the, the University of Chamai and the Master in Fine Art that I've, that I've just started. And so what, what new mediums are you exploring? Yeah. So I'm exploring photography is always going to be a central part. Video is a, is a medium that I already used in Nepal, in that work. But I'm continuing to explore that. I'm using different tools to record videos at the moment. I'm also uh, exploring archive. I am fascinated about working with archive, and I've always been fascinated with my family archive. So I, the month, the, the summer that I spent now in Italy was also an opportunity to start looking into, into my personal legacy, how, you know, reflecting on that, how, how I can start to also visualize, you know, some of the some of the emotions that bring me to to where I am today, you know, uh, what, what is in within myself, what is in within my past, my family that I carry with me, you know, the good and bad. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking at the bad as well, you know, that, uh, you know, that led me to do the journey that I'm doing, that led me to, you know, go to London looking for a life where I, you know, but being in the sort of, you know, at the center of, of capitalism and, you know, and all that machine, and how did I get to that? And then moving on from that. But so, you know, looking into the archive, it's a, it's a very fascinating thing. Um, beyond the archive, I'm also exploring the idea of physicality. Uh, so what can I make with my hands? You know, can I make something physical, that dialogue with the images and the video? Can the archive be turned into a physical installation? So I, I'm looking at I'm looking to a work that is continue to be multidisciplinary in a way. That sounds amazing because I've seen some work where it f feels like you've made some artifacts and then took pictures of them. I'm talking about the um, the gods project. Yeah, that was during the six months that I studied in Nepal, and that was before the forest work. That was an exercise, you know. Was during one of the the classes. It was a still life work that we had to do we were looking into still life and you know I, we had to come up with an idea and do a, a work and you know as i was exploring already i was there in Kathmandu, and i was interested in 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 the relationship between humans and nature and the spiritual connection between humans and nature i decided to sort of work a little bit on that right and um and the, the work sort of uh, came to life because of of me living really close to the river of Kathmandu, which is called Bagmati, which is a holy river, you know, beautiful, beautiful river. But unfortunately now has become in the last 10 years has become some sort of a sewage, you know, a sewer. It's extremely polluted and really is a reflection of of the brutality of, you know, development in a country like Nepal and of basically what, what is happening, what has been happening in South Asia in the last 50 years or 30 years. So. What I was starting to do, I started to pick up some of those objects of pollution that I would uh, find on the river, on the side of the river. And the idea was to really look at um, this reflection on, you know, have we lost our emotional connection toward nature? Because, you know, we're looking, we know that this is a holy river, 
they're just destroying this river, right? So there's something off there. And the idea of I, the objects that I found was were like simple objects of pollution, you know, and simple objects that were bought and thrown away, you know, like a lamp, like like a toy, um, few other things. And um, so I, I, I started to, to play around with the idea of, of making them into these new spiritual, almost these new gods, right? We, we, we moved from worshipping nature, you know, listening to the sound of a thunder and thinking, you know, this is, um, this is an angry god, um, to, you know, worshipping Apple, just as a, an example, right? Um, I had to uh, convey, I wanted to convey some sort of spirituality around those objects, but I was struggling with how to do it and I you know I was giving a, a reference from my teacher from this this artist is called Andrea Serrano and he made a work where it's called Peace Christ where he has put a small Christ statue into a glass with with beers so, or you know it's beer but it, it, it can look like pee as well it's quite intense but it looks you know he has this effect you know that this 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 small statue look like spiritual in a way. So I've, I've decided to, to, to test this water idea and I bought an aquarium and I started this process and, and the result was, was, was interesting, for sure. Yeah, it's, it, it, when I first looked at it from afar, it looked like pictures of I don't know, artifacts found in space. But then when I, when I looked closer, it was actually, yeah, pieces of, of of rubber or whatever you found on the floor. There's one that really looks like a constellation. That's like, it looks like a flower, like a f purple flower. Uh, what, what is that? It's, a, it's actually like a plastic uh, lamp that looks like a flower, like a jellyfish, something like that. It, it looks very um, mystical. So your, your work is, is really uh, closing uh, into a loop. I mean, it feels like with your archival work, you're doing a prequel to understand what led you to London and, and, and into the forest. And do you feel like once you've done the archival work, you, do you have already an idea for what comes next or do you, will you let that process instruct what comes after? Yeah, yeah. no, I've, you know, I've, what happened, it was in the last uh, few, few months, I've, I've came across sort of a, a big um, current that I wasn't necessarily aware uh, current, it's a, it's an academic slash philosophical slash artistic current or group, you know, which uh, which basically look at all those theories which are now being labeled as a, a post-human theories, right? And that was very interesting because it came after a meditation retreat that I've done here in Chiang Mai uh, when I moved uh, in January when I couldn't couldn't continue the work, I had the opportunity and I I just you know. I just went for for this vipassana retreat, which is you know something that was always being interested, and meditation has always been fascinating. And it was very very interesting experience. And, and when I came back, almost like uh, I would say, almost magically, I came across this book, Posthuman Theories, and I started to uh, to really see so many connections with the things that I was interested in. Posthuman idea is a redefinition of the idea of man, of human, that was given by European, basically, by the humanities, you know, uh, the dichotomy, man, nature, that started with the um, Illuminism and, and Descartes and all of that. The posthuman theorists are looking at today and really sort of redefining all those all that legacy that as European, as a Western society, we carry with us in a way, and, and that has led to all that 
I, I would say to all that aggressivity, you know, that we have toward nature, toward everything that is non-human. So these these theories are often the collaboration of academic philosophers or thinkers, but also artists, because there's a, an intrinsic opportunity there really to visualize. So those theories are often very complex, and and working with the art, or collaborating with the art, there's an opportunity to visualize those ideas, which are which are new, which are different, and really to you know to sort of bring them to life. So that became something very exciting for me. The idea to um, to use my work also to sort of participate a little bit into this. So the research that I've started now is is definitely a continuation of you know my an exploration of the relationship between humans and non-humans or nature. What I'm looking at now is is really um, absorbing you know studying some of those ideas and really looking at elaborate uh, through my work some um, non uh, basically some non-anthropocentric non-traditional, conventional view of the relationship between humans and nature. So it's, it's basically uh, looking at men, but after what? Anthropocene, you know, is that the age where we have an impact on, on Earth, on the planet. And so an anthropocentric look is, uh, is this traditional way that we've been dealing with nature, you know, using it as a resource, destroying it, just doing whatever we want with it. Nature also implies, you know, um, when I say non-humans, I also imply land, uh, I imply also minorities, because also minorities have been considered almost at the same level as nature, in a sense, something that you can appropriate, displace, and, you know. So the post-human theory uh, look at how, look at this new idea of man, this new idea of human that is at the same level with the nature, there's almost an assemblage between humans, non-humans. So that, that very idea sort of can trigger, can trigger different, different changes, you know, and can, you can visualize this in, in different ways. So I, this is what I'm exploring right now. Of course, I'm, you know, it, the work needs to be tied to a, to a location, to a place, but also to a space of mind. And, um, you know, when I was in Chiang Mai from February to March, it's a beautiful place. It's very natural. But in, in those two months, from February to March, it completely changes every year. Uh, it completely changes because of an issue that exists with pollution, with agricultural plantation of corn and maize, like large industrial plantation that exists between Thailand, Vietnam and all that region, starts with this process of burning, burning the fields in a way. But... Given this is not a natural process, there is this attack of fire, but of smoke, basically, right? And and Chamai, I remember, on one week it became the city with the worst quality of air in the world, right? Out of nowhere. So you know, living that experience for the first time, of course, I knew about it, but I never really experienced it. it sort of triggered also, you know, visually for me, I started to, to started to work on, on this work, and but that's just the beginning, right? I. This is a work that I will I will uh, develop in the next two years. The archival work is uh, is to really look at uh, my legacy, myself, with also those theories. You know, I I grew up in Italy. I come from a privileged background in a way. And um, what is in my legacy? What is it? How can I look at myself also from where I come from? In a sense of I you know I'm looking at images of my of my uh, uncles and my grandparents. You know from the 50s and 60s, 
post-war in Italy, like industrial growth, economic growth, sort of this idea of, of capitalism and this idea of, of unlimited growth that, that naively we, the people had at the time, right? I, I'm not blaming them. But I started to see these kind of things and I started to connect it with, with the present, a present where we know that, does it, that unlimited growth doesn't exist anymore. The plan is not able to sustain that. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about connecting myself toward this concept, I'm, I'm looking at these sort of things, this idea also of post-future, this idea that the future that we know we had or we, we wanted in a way, or, or the capitalism machine uh, was promising to us, doesn't exist anymore. Wow. I, I cannot wait to see the output of this work. I, I've read somewhere that artists enable the vision of a future in the present. It seems like that's exactly what you're doing at the moment. So yeah, that's going to be very exciting to create and then show to us. Because I think we, we do need... Um, to see those ideas visually in order to understand like, okay, how, how do we deal with the present so that our future is a bit more uh, inspiring? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, we've come to the end of our time and I'm sure we could like continue for hours because like I, I still have like so many questions, but unfortunately we have to end this. And uh, I'd love to uh, have you back when uh, you've finished some of those explorations. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Pietro. Thank you, PJ. It was a pleasure for me as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Foncen Voices. This podcast was brought to you by Foncen, a handmade vegan footwear brand founded by my wife, Suki, and myself, PJ. Our atelier is based in East London, where our shoes are completely handcrafted by a small team of veteran artisans. We really care about making beautiful, lasting products, so each year we develop only one unique model. Our 2021 release is called the Isobel, a shoe for women inspired by tap dance and ballet. It characterizes Foncen's cultural heritage, uniting classic Parisian elegance with London's modern minimalism. Have a look on foncen.com or find us on Instagram at Foncen. The music intro and outro were composed and performed by An Eagle in Your Mind. Take care and stay safe.